Hey guys, welcome back to A Court of Books and Booze. Buckle up for part two of A Court of Wings and Ruin. So they figured out Elaine is a seer, and she then goes on to say how the sixth human queen is alive, um, the one that they were lied to, or were they were lied lied to about that she was ill or died or whatever, but um, she wasn't actually. She is being held captive in some magical way by a sorcerer lord in the heart of the continent. Um, being hidden there and is her human queen form by day and was turned into a firebird by night. Um, and there's a bunch of other women there too also. So that's I don't know, new information that could maybe be useful somehow. So, uh, Lucian offers to go and find the queen, thinking maybe his eye can see some things that other people couldn't. And he's feeling some sort of ways about Elaine's behavior and demeanor and all of that. And I think he, I got the vibe that he just wanted to distance himself a little bit. For her sake and for his sake. And to do something good in the meantime, instead of just sitting there not really knowing how best to help. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you almost just feel bad for Lucian, right? Because it's like, he's trying, and he's trying. And, I mean, we we understand that he he really screwed up the beginning of this relationship with her. Mm-hmm. But there's no, there's just, I mean, there's nothing there. But you can, you can feel for both of them. Because on on one hand, you know, this miraculous connection happened and, you know, Lucian's got a mate. I mean, great for him. Like, ecstatic, excited for him. You know, that's something that he maybe thought never was going to happen um but on the other hand you know elaine doesn't owe him anything and she is mourning her old life and um she is allowed to not want any interaction any connection not have this forced upon her when she had no choice like other things were already forced upon her when she had no choice (laughs) <laughs> you're doing great over there you keep Amanda. going you're saying all my feelings <laughs> so like I, I i feel for both of them especially because L- lucian growing up obviously a fairy and you know knowing this side of things and knowing what it is and knowing the significance of it um this has got to be monumental for him but elaine obviously having been human up until now this this means absolutely nothing to her it means nothing to her this isn't something that she has a significance for and so it they're just they're on such different spectrums regarding this specific topic and i think right now there there just there isn't there isn't anything 
and no one needs to point point blame at anybody for anything or mm. um you know think that uh somebody needs to just you know give in or somebody needs to try harder or somebody you know I think it just yeah. it is what it is right now and and maybe something'll maybe something'll come of it maybe something won't but like he definitely has the right to hope and attempt to court if he wants to, but she has the right to refuse too. So. So. Well, she said it's a tricky, tricky situation. I did. For sure. I, I did in the situation when he decided to leave, felt bad because I understood that him staying in the situation to where. She is there. He's constantly seeing her and not being able to do anything is almost just as painful for him. Yeah. And so I get the decision to leave. Like, like he's said, wounded. He right needed now. that distance. Yeah. Yeah. But he is just not what she needs right now. It's almost kind of like mirroring like Tamron and Tamlin and Feyre when she turned Faye because they were just not w- what each other needed in that moment. Yeah. And uh, he's yeah, he's trying to give himself some space to not continue to have a, a wounded heart and also give her some space because he obviously can tell that um, he's not her first pick of people to be around right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think he made the right decision, though. Yeah. And that, what he did. That little bit of of her looking towards him as he left, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's not out of the woods that something could come of it but Mm -hmm. it's nothing that needs to be just automatically ingrained and rushed you know what i mean i honestly would be mad if she was just like okay yeah 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 what that yeah that just wouldn't be right i don't understand the mating bond in these books it, to me it's just confusing how it's like oh well it can snap in place for one person and then they can know. But you can still refuse it. And right. Not. And then. I but if you know that there's supposed to be a mating bond, don't you think it would just snap in place because you know it's there? My my thoughts were that you that it would be obvious that the feeling would be stronger, I guess. Because even when Farah and Reese's cut clicked, like Reese knew, right? But Feyre had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. she slowly and gradually fell for him anyway. Mm-hmm. And then made the decision to be like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought it would have been, like, this stronger pull than just, hey, there's something between us. I can sense it. But that's about it. But Feyre didn't know that it was there. That's what I'm saying. The difference is, is Elaine knows that the mating bond is there. And you'd think that that would... You know, even subconsciously be like, you know, well. There's such different um, scenarios, too. I mean, I don't think there's, like, hard and fast rules for it. But also, like, with Farah, she assumed a lot of the connection um, was part of the bargain. Right. That's true. So. I just don't. I just. This is this is one of the aspects of these books that I just do not care for is the mating bond itself. I I get the impression that we will learn more about them and kind of the way that they work as 
books go on. The only thing I understand about the mating bond is that the sex is intense. (laughs) That's what I got. (laughs) I mean, all right. That's all I got from it. (laughs) And it could last a very long time. The sex or the mating bond? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, Lucian's gone. Yep, and pretty much as soon as Lucian leaves, um, Amarin comes rushing in, um, flustered, which doesn't happen. Um, saying that Varian sent a warning to prepare their defenses because Hybern is attacking the Summer Court right now as she speaks. And um, it's a really quick, easy decision that Reese says they can't leave Tarquin to face it alone. And they're going to get the Illyrians together to go to the Summer Court. And they essentially just, they take off shortly, like right after that. Um, and they arrive and it's a, it's a bloodbath on both sides. It's rough. There's fighting everywhere. There's fighting in the palace and along the grounds and in the seas and in the skies. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. And, um, they realize that there's no other courts there. There's no one else helping. And I believe that the Summer Court's army had been split at that point, um, one on one coast and one in another region, just manning borders and and things like that with everything going on. So they were even down some of their forces. So it's it's rough. And everybody kind of splits up. Um, Mor and Ferris stay together, and they fight in the palace. Um, and yeah, we go we go through some battle. Mor um, and Feyre manage to clear out the the palace of Hybern soldiers and anybody in there. Um, any of the summer court people, they get them all um, rallied together in an area of, of safety, essentially. And um, I think it's at this point that they're, they take a small break and Farah tries to find race mm-hmm. via her mind and, and um, finds him and he lets her in as he is... Um, battling I don't remember if he's in the sky or he's on the on boat. A ship oh yeah, yeah he's on a ship um and he is trying like he's um I don't know he doesn't feel his power at like full capacity or whatever so he's trying to find the source of whatever's seems to be muting his power yeah I think he assumed that like it was the cauldron or yeah it was the king something or- was there so he finds the king, and they have words, and the king has threats, and whatever, and Reese goes to attack, and it's actually just an illusion. So as soon as he disappears, the dampener on Reese's magic disappears, and 
they managed to slaughter the rest of Highburn and help the summer court win. But uh, after that, Tarquin's still like, hell no, we heard what you did to the spring court. That essentially let Highburn in. Get the hell out of my court. I made him leave. Okay, so in the graphic audio, did they change Tarquin's voice between book two and three? Because I swear to God, he has a different voice actor. I didn't notice. I didn't notice either. I might be wrong, but... I think you're crazy. Mm, yeah. One sounded like <laughs> way more English. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to? Uh, English. <laughs> mm, okay. But like a lowercase e, not a capital E. Murk is English. Gross. I I enjoy this part of the book, but I, I also like kind of found it kind of boring. Meh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I get that we're trying to restore ties with the with Tarquin and and all that, but Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so they they end up um, going back to where they had set up camp at, at the... So after they get back, I don't remember how much time passes, but um can't be much. Um, Feyre has Reese take her back to the prison, and she's trying to convince the carver to pick a different object because she's really apprehensive about that Ouroboros mirror. Um and that meeting is when Reese finally learns about who she sees as the carver. Um, I don't know. He, he kind of he's gives like a little ping of excitement through the bond. Apparently, cute. Yeah. Um, right after that, they f- the, the high lords finally agree that the meeting will be in the dawn court and everyone has responded that they are going except for Tamlin. He has not been heard from. Um, yeah. Um, Nesta decides that she is going to go too and has decided that she's going to give her story just in case it can be helpful at all. And um, Reese offers Nesta a job as emissary to the human world. Get that money, money. Yeah. So they end up going to the meeting of the High Lords and Lady. (laughs) And um, we get to see everybody that's there, pretty much. Um, They get there and... Thiessen's obviously there because, you know, that's his court. And he's got a group of his aerial legion, which are the peregrines, which also have wings, but they're feathered. They are, I think, like, distantly related to the seraphim, which are with, which were with Miriam and Draken and Nathal. And, um, I think the, the peregrine leader is Thiessen's lover. And then Callius is there with his wife Vivian, um, who's apparently really good friends with Moore. And she ends up getting along with Pharaoh really well. 
I love the reunion of these two in the graphic yes! video specifically. It was so good. The squeals just made it. I mean, it was like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was top tier for sure. It's something that the graphic audio really, really outshined the book in yeah. this section. It did that so well. Yeah, and, and we we find out just a little bit of backstory with Vivian and Callius, uh, how um, they had just been childhood friends, and he'd loved her for so long, um, had never said anything, but um, with them being such good friends, in a similar situation to what Reese did with the inner circle, as soon as they realized they were being trapped under the mountain, Callius sent out word to... Vivian to take care of the court and and do everything she can and she did that entire time and um, as soon as he got back there he well they did stuff and then he um, (laughs) then he proposed and then they got married (laughs) Um, and then right after they got married their mating bond snapped into place so it was just a whole it was a whole thing with them. The timing of the mating bonds is weird too. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean I don't think there's any I don't think it's like a cut and dry step one, step two, step you know. I think it's situational how it works. But you have great tragedy with Elaine turning into Faye. And then you have this really sweet moment with Callius and Vivian, right? Mm-hmm. And then with Reese and Feyre, it's like... Well before anything was even going on between them. Right. Well, and like with with Reese's parents, it was just as soon as they first looked at each other. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't think they said Tamlin's parents mm. when that happened. I don't think that was explained. Um, oh, Tamlin. Yeah. So, um, yep. Tarquin and his group show up. Um, Baron and his sons and wife show up. And um, Ryzer are getting ready to do stuff. Tamlin winnows in. This this was such a good part in the graphic audio because you could just feel the tension. Yeah, for real. Through the headphones. <laughs> Through my car speakers. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Captain Douchebag has returned. Fucking hate him. <laughs> so he is, you know, playing the blame game for everything and of course has to make digs at Reese and digs at Feyre and backhanded digs at Lucian and you know just all the stuff being a jerk is trying to um, undermine what Reese is trying to do and and is like how can you how can you think about working with Reese after he worked with Amarantha and all that sort of stuff. 
calls Pharaoh a whore. It was just stupid stuff. Cause it's like, dude, can we move on from all the crap that happened under the mountain? Like you did shit too yeah. with Amarantha. Exactly. So let's calm down for a second here and look in the mirror, buddy, because you also did some shit. And half the stuff that she did in those 50 years that she was in charge was because you wouldn't go with her in the first place. Yeah. Even longer, because she was trying to get you before she gave you those 50 years of, you know, whatever curse you were under. Mm-hmm. So we can play the blame game at you. But you know what? We don't take responsibility. So, whatever. Responsibilities. So, going into this um, meeting, it had been set up and organized in a w- and magicked in a way that... Uh, um, you couldn't you couldn't start a war or something you know you couldn't you couldn't kill anybody it's something of that sort you know the mm-hmm. the high lords could not attack each other whatever um and they used you know they had spells and everything set up with that but <laughs> but um so Tamlin calls Pharaoh a whore and calls her spoiled goods and things like that and essentially nobody moves nobody does anything but tamlin stops being able to talk and you realize when you when we, everybody looks over at reese that he just he just easily used his power to just close his airways essentially and at that point which i also liked in the book it um just the way that it pointed out that it's like, you know, everybody kind of seemed like it checked everybody a little bit, and they remembered just how much more powerful Reese is than anybody else. Literally anybody else. Well, I feel like, because we were, we were told that from the get-go, right? Yes. Like, as soon as we met Reese, that it was Most powerful up. High Lord in history. Right? Yes. But then you get to, like see his personality and it almost humanizes him so much that you forget that yes until he's put in a situation like this where he is forced to put everyone else in check Mm -hmm. and he's like oh shit yeah i forgot sorry my bad and then i fall in love with him (laughs) even more you know it's one of those so yeah i agree it was really it was a good moment to be like hey remember who i am yeah and what i can do Mm mm-hmm Exactly. So right after that, um, Tarquin admittedly um, appreciates the the Night Court's help and takes back the Blood Rubies, which I think is funny because uh, somebody makes a comment about how you can take them back, but I don't, you're not getting Amarins. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was Cassian. Ah. <laughs> well, hey, she's grown quite attached to that thing. Good yeah. Um, so he says all debts are are cleared between them. They are good. Um, right after that, Eris points out that, or says that more dresses like a slut, and Asriel, like, blasts through his shields and, and starts strangling him. I love that. And, like, everybody's, everybody's yelling for him to stop, and no one can, like, no one can stop him. <laughs> um, except Feyre. Yep, so... Farrah gets him to stop, and um, Eris actually stops also, surprisingly. And um, so they, you know, they have their war discussions. They have their 
weapons against each other. They have, you know, it's it's a bunch of it's a shit show. People, it's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of fairies that all know how powerful they are. Bunch of egos. Yes, yes, yes. It was almost too much testosterone in that room, honestly. Absolutely. Honestly. <coughs> so, um, at one point, Baron makes comments about Reese um, whoring with Amarantha. And <laughs> Feyre loses her shit and shoots fire at him. And then water. And then fire. And then water. <laughs> and... Um, Reese finally gets her to stop, but Baron essentially is done and, and is ready to just leave at that point. Is that when they figure out that she's got some of his stuff? Pretty much. Because she gets pissed off and kind of lets her anger go, and so everyone's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They're like, oh, I wonder where that, mm. that kernel of stuff went. Yeah. Um. This is like their first night there, right? It's, the, it's like the first hour. Yeah. Because they mm-hmm. were taking bets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and apparently everybody was taking bets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, Nesta makes some sort of comment about the cauldron and the king butchering everybody and being a piece of shit and... Baron essentially says he'll consider helping. That's all he has to say, and then he left. Um, Vivian and is it yeah, Crusada say that they will fight with them alongside them. Um, so Callius and Tarquin and Helion and Thesin and Tamlin all agree to join too. Um, one of my favorite parts after this, when they're all back at like their rooms, um, Helion stops by and is just like totally opposite of how he was in the meeting and, and apologizes to Feyre. This was essentially the fir- their first time meeting and he had on that mask of his also like Reese does. And he is just, he's just so funny and laid back and, quirky and flirty and we love Helion. He's like that, uh, he's like the cool uncle. Yeah. That everyone loves and gets along with and Yeah, but let's let's talk about the biggest plot twist in this book. My favorite section of this book. You're about to say something stupid, aren't you? No, I'm not. This is like probably my favorite thing out of this entire book. Is it the proposition that he won't stop Doing for years? Where Feyre looks at Reese and goes, hey, um, doesn't he look kind of like Lucian? <laughs> yeah. So Helion goes into some backstory about Lucian's mom. And, and how he saved her. And then they got together for a while. And ultimately... <laughs> You can put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Helion is Lucian's dad. (laughs) But no one knows this. But I thought it was funny that Feyre figured it out and said it to Reese, and he's like, 
holy shit. <laughs> yeah. How, how did I never notice this? Yeah. Yeah, for real. But then they're like in the middle of a conversation with them. And they're like, don't react. Don't yeah. React. <laughs> it just, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, it's so quick. And it's, it's such a major thing because it's like, well, that would make Lucian the only error heir to, to the summer court. Right. Mm-hmm. No, the, no, the, sorry. Day, the day, day court. court day yeah. Court. Yep. Absolutely. And it would have been, meant that he wasn't, there was no way he would be a rival for the autumn court. Right. Which is why they kind of think that Baron just kind of pushed him off because right. he knew that he wasn't his. And all the brothers were cruel to him because they all knew. And Air, that's probably why Eris is has been you know, helpful, right, mm-hmm. for him. Dun dun dun. Yeah, it's just it is. It's it's so quick, and it's like we're gonna man, have I to love it. We're gonna have to get more info on this at some point. Well, when we're a gonna, court of a court of seeing six and, books, <laughs> seeing and flames comes out. <laughs> We already have flames. Do we? Yeah, silver flames. Oh, shit. Maybe you've read it before. No, we're we're talking about like the next book. He's trying to come up with a name. Oh. No, you already got flames, yeah. Court of... Summer and Eyes and prophecies. (laughs) Ooh, I like that. So all the all the high lords stay the night for the most part. Most of them stay the night because more Except is Baron. to be to d- discussed. Yeah. So even Tamlin stays. Yeah, Tamlin does stay. Yeah, yeah. Awkward. Because they, they go to bed and and Fair is like, it's really weird that that he's here. I don't I don't think we can have sex here while he's here. <laughs> yeah, she's worried about and, Tamlin, and but he's like, okay, not all the birds that. Is it? It's not Callius. It's Bird. Who's the Thesen? Thesen. Because at one point, Helian's like, <coughs> "Yeah, all of Thesen's birds are listening to you all the time." By the way. Oh yeah. So don't say anything that you're gonna regret. Yeah, what's a bird? A bird's a bird. Bird, 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 bird is a word. Thank you. Bird is a bird. <laughs> So, um, while they're in the middle of this, uh, Nesta comes in, freaked out, upset, saying they need to leave, something feels wrong, something's weird. Um, Reese and Az went away to go check the court um, and find nothing. So... They uh, go to bed, essentially. And um, they're in the meeting the following morning. And Nesta starts getting sick all over the place and acting strange and saying something's wrong again. Um, But she finally realizes that, that something's not wrong with her, but with the cauldron. And then all of a sudden, there's like a big, I don't know, magical shudder that they feel um, across the land. And 
Reese uses his powers to see far and wide to discover that the king just used the cauldron to shatter the wall. Dude, what a solid end to a section, though, because I was just like, what? Right in the middle of any everything. Nobody planned for this. No. You thought this was going to happen in the middle of war. Uh-huh. Or, you know, they Did not theoretically that thought yeah. that could happen, you know, in however many years with knowing how how long fairies live. But, yeah, oh, no. nope, middle of a morning meeting. We all need right. to stop blowing off Nesta. Didn't we learn with Elaine and her seer abilities and all these things? Like, For just real. listen to the girl. I know she doesn't know well, how to put everything into words, but... But, I mean, they didn't... When she came in, they didn't hesitate. They went out and started looking to find something, and they just didn't find anything. But when she's continuously saying, hey, something is wrong here... Yeah. I wouldn't just go to bed. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, be like, true. no, I'm sure it's fine. I'd be like, you've got some weird senses, so you're obviously sensing something. Like, they learned with Elaine, I thought. And then that happened. I was like, oh, man, something bad's about to happen. This is like the part in a horror movie when the music stops <laughs> playing and you know something's about to pop out at you. Ugh. And then the Can wall I just breaks. I tell you I don't watch horror? <laughs> well, that's what happens during a jump scare is the music stops. We don't do jump scares around here. Noted. So Elaine says that they could evacuate the human lands um, to Grayson's estate because apparently his father's, you know, planning for something like this to be having happened for a long time now. He's got the walls and the supplies and ash weapons and um, so they they're gonna go Try and convince him to do that. Sure. <laughs> this starts the least my like my least favorite chapter in this whole book. It, just to be real, I mean it's it's so frustrating. Agreed. Right before they decide to go to Grayson's estate and figure out that convincing and everything. Um, Feyre corners Amran and, and asks about the creature in the library and that she wants to to go see it again. And so Amran tell, gives her a name um, that it is Braxis and that, um, so they go and talk to Braxis, and, uh, and makes a bargain with him, it, they, the thing, whatever, <laughs> with Braxis, um, that she, she's, she's like, do you, you know, do you want to be set free? Do you want, what do you want? And, um, it essentially just says, you know, I want a window so I can see the sky. <laughs> this is my home. I want to stay here, but I want a window. So she makes a bargain that if it um, fights in the war for Prithian, that she will get it a window. And I just think that's cute. <laughs> you know, these the creatures are very interesting in their requests. Yeah. 
Yeah, the carver by access. <laughs> yeah. But it is it is pretty genuine though. Yeah. So Yeah. So they all head out the next morning, um to Grayson's estate. And they're all glamoured, so they look like humans. Um, or they're glamoured to just not appear at all. And um they have to wait in like this guard waiting area. Um and uh Grayson arrives and his father, um the lord of that area, um and they notice that Nesta's Fay, and they point out how they've heard that she was kidnapped and turned against her will, and and all of that, and and Elaine is trying to be trying to placate and and you know um, express how dire the situation is, and he essentially is like, well, maybe I'd believe you if you weren't lying to me too, because I knew this happened to you also. You know, world, word, word travels and all of that, and um, throws it in her face that he knows that she's got a fey mate, and um, they're all confused how Grayson heard about this. And then who walks in <laughs> but Jurian? I didn't see that one coming either. Nope. So, apparently, Jurian has just been pretending to be the bad guy all this time. <laughs> what a concept. He's, uh, he was just doing it to get in the good graces of the King of Highburn to get all of the backstories and, and, the knowledge of things and hmm. um yeah he essentially tells race you know look into my mind make sure i'm telling the truth um i have to say when i was reading this part i was immediately thinking about the king from throne of glass about how oh he was trying to protect dory and the entire thing i was oh. like mm. and as he's like talking i was like they should just behead him just kill him just kill <laughs> jury him. Yeah, it's like, no, let's just be done. <laughs> I like Jurian as a character. I, I don't know why. It's just I, I have like this little draw to him where it's like, even when he was introduced at the end of the last book, it was like, he's playing a game because obviously he still fucking hates the Fae. You know, mm-hmm. how could he not after being trapped with Amarantha for millennia well yeah, that's all she years. did was play games that's all she was about it was so funny because i forgot i forgot um exactly the the route that jurian takes in the book since the first time i read it mm-hmm. and so i think i had the same reaction this time that i had the first time i was reading it where you know we meet jurian and i am just like Ugh, don't like this guy 
you know, of course, mm-hmm. whatever. And then we get to the point where we find out that this was just pretend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> I like it. I like him further on. But as he's as he's starting to talk and like and because it came off as like, oh, well, he's just like, you know, try, trying to get out of all the shit that he did or whatever. I'm just like, no. Nick's this guy. We're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. I do end up liking him further into the war. Yeah. Do I trust him? No. Yeah. <laughs> I have trust issues. Thank you, Sarah. He has never proven that he can be trustworthy. Yeah, for sure. I, I almost disagree, though. I mean, you know, aside from him almost killing Asriel, you know, he looked at Reese. He's like, well, had you just read my mind, like I thought you would, because yeah. that's who you used to be. Supposedly, we wouldn't be in this. We wouldn't be in this problem. Yeah, true. Yeah, but then what was Reese's response to that? Well, he's like, I don't, I didn't want to see her, but yeah. I mean, that's totally on him. <laughs> Still, yeah. So. Um, so, you know, he has race look into his mind and, um, he essentially just says that he's, he still wants to find Miriam and, and Draken and, but actually so he can apologize for the whole thing, um, and still be able to ask them for help, which, you know, we know that they're still not able to be found. They're they just kind of disappeared at this point. So, um, he reveals that Vasa, the the other queen, is still alive, um, but just enslaved in a way. And then at this point, Elaine begins groveling to Grayson, and. Um, He's not having any of it. I, I also, I'm with you, Sky. This, this part's not like, it's very uninteresting to me. I think that Grayson was over the top mean. I understand being pissed off and feeling lied to, but I feel like he, at towards the end of their conversation, was seeking to hurt her. I almost get the feeling, though, I mean, even with how minor of a character this is, I get the feeling that there was, like, grooming from the father because he's such, mm-hmm. you know, such a bad dude um, in yeah. that regard, so. I just, ugh. I don't know. Even the father at one point is like, hey, cool it, dude. Yeah, like, you need to calm down. But I wonder if that's for show. Eh, maybe. Mm, I don't know. I just. Not my favorite. Yeah. No. I was really hoping we were going to get a scene in the war of this kid dead. Just head on a pipe or something. <laughs> There's no reason to be in total prick for no reason. You wouldn't let him in if they were fae. So obviously, they had to lie to be able to get in and speak to you. And then you're mad at them for being like, Well, you put a glamour on. Oh, yeah. You fuck off. <laughs> I really hate the humans in this book for the most part. After you just said you love Jurian. <laughs> I love Jurian. He's like 
and uh, Vasa, right? But mm. we'll get into that in a little bit. So, you know, he's he's essentially going off at Elaine right now, and <laughs> Nesta slaps him and is like, hey, you know, if you don't do this, everybody's going to die, and it's going to be soon. So they, they do end up agreeing to allow the humans to shelter at their estate. Um, so they were at least successful in that regard. Awesome. Moving on. Next, check that box. <laughs> we can be done. I feel with like that. I feel like they had like this like long to do list of all these people they had to talk to and things they needed to accomplish. They're like, check. Check. Yeah. Check. <laughs> so they take the evening to prepare for the beginning of war the next day. And they do some planning. They get some rest. Um, I think they decide to take like half the night actually to get a, a head start on things. Um, but they end up cloaking and flying with the Illyrian army all the way down to the border of spring and summer, um, where, you know, they had found out that the forces were to surprise Highburn and, um, start the war there and begin it on their terms, essentially. And they, let's go. Yeah, let's go. I'm ready for war. Come on. Yeah. Which it, it ends up after a while, it ends up going well for them. They, they get Highburn backed up. They get him to retreat right into um, the border of summer where Tarquin's forces are waiting. Um, and the ones that are left at this point end up surrendering. And so, you know, they're at summer at this point. Reese leaves it up to Tarquin what happens. And, and dude just drowns them all. He's like, mm, no, we're not, we're not messing around here. <laughs> Take no prisoners. Have you ever seen, um, so Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's, Dead Man's Chest, right? There's a scene where Davy Jones takes over this boat and there's like five survivors. And then he's like, sir, what do we do with survivors? And he turns, he's like, there are no survivors. <laughs> That's how I imagine this went. Is that the third one? Uh, no, sir. It was the second one. Mm. Dead you know how long it's been since I've Dead seen Man's Chest movie. is number two. At World's End is number three. Oh, there you go. Because At World's End starts really weird, doesn't it? Isn't like the, the third one the last good one? Yes. I haven't seen any after Sorry, the third one. Sorry, Johnny Depp, but yes. Four and I five. Mean, four and five are rough. Didn't they lose the other two main at that yeah. point? Yeah, Orlando. So, so yeah. they come back in the last movie oh. at the very end wow. for like a split second. Oh, well. But yes, they are not like in the movie. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't seen four and five then. They're all right. They are right. But anyway, that's what I was thinking of during this moment. It immediately will pop my head. Yeah. There are no survivors. Doesn't he like choke somebody out with his tentacles too? <laughs> He, like, puts his tentacle, like, down their throat and oh. up out their nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can remove that. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> it, but it was, like, with an asshole guy that was been an asshole for the entire movie. He deserves to die. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that, but he did. 
it was a movie ruthless it was a it was a movie so it's fine (laughs) it's fine (laughs) but no keep all that (laughs) anyway (laughs) so they they end up um skipping over summer essentially they don't need to be doing anything there because tarquin's got his forces so they move sorry my shoulder itches so they move um northward toward the winter court and start setting up camp there um which they're setting up and digging a trench around and monitoring highburn which it appears that they have um just completely gone around them unknowingly and pretty quickly. Um, We've got a split opinion at this point where some of them want to march north. um, Some of them want to stay. They're not quite sure exactly what to do at this point um, to get to the best spot for battle, essentially. Um, so they end up coming to a conclusion where they are going to glamour the whole camp that they have set up right now and make it seem like they're still there. They're still doing stuff. It's going to take a lot of power. Um, essentially, uh, Reese and Feyre are going to work together and, and create this glamour. That's like an ongoing thing, which I mean, that was a cool concept, you know, that they, thought of smart cookies yeah so then in addition to that they're all going to glamour themselves and head out toward where highburn's at now um in the middle of the night also to you know aid in that so um they end up meeting the highburn forces and are better prepared this time, but still end up starting to lose because Highburn essentially predicted it all somehow or um, had additional forces than they realized at that spot. Mm. So um, at this point, Feyre makes a realization that she needs to ensnare the Suriel again to ask about war questions. Specifically the Ouroboros, right? Wasn't that the main reason she... Um, I thought the main reason was to find the, the location of Hybern's true army and not the the is any because uh, when when she does decoy. yeah when she does meet up with the serial which she does again i mean she's gonna ask more than that she did but didn't she because the serial was like well if you find the cauldron he'll he will be there something like that mm-hmm yep he's essentially said you you have somebody who can track the cauldron yes. yeah 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 who can scry on it or yeah whatever you want to call it yeah yeah so um Feyre actually uh, asks Elaine to help her find the Suriel with being a seer. You know, how Scurrius figure out how to use her powers and find the Suriel. Which she does. And it's near the Weaver's Cottage. It's right there in the middle. And um, 
So she winnows there, ends up finding the cereal as she just tends to do. And um, the cereal says that it doesn't know exactly where um, the king is and the, the full army is. But like you said, they've got someone that can find the king because the king's going to be with the cauldron. Um, yeah, so actually they, uh, the cereal says Nesta should be able to find the cauldron. Not only. She asks the cereal if they would have to get to the cauldron using the book to nullify it if that would be enough to win. And the cereal says that, yeah, it would be, you know, if you survive long enough to battle afterward. Um, the fairy tells the cereal that the carver, the bone carver, wants the Orboros and asks if looking into it will drive her mad and break her. And the cereal essentially says, you know, only you can decide what breaks you. Facts. So life lesson, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> brought to you by <laughs> our um, master of tea, the cereal. I want that on a t-shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the cereal also tells her a message for Amrin about. Um, some passages in the book that they hold the key um, and then is about to tell Farah some more uh, another thing that she needs to do to stop Hibern when she gets it, she, it gets shot with an ash arrow through the throat and who shows up? Fucking bitch. <laughs> but I am there. This this scene truly broke my heart. Yeah, absolutely. In so many pieces. Yeah. Like, next to when Farah was having her mental breakdown in the spring court at Tamlin's place after everything happened under the mountain, mm -hmm. this is like next to that. That my heart just shattered. Yeah, so I am these just spouting bullshit, you know. I hate that woman. Spouting bullshit. Whatever. Complaining. Threatening. All that good stuff. And um, she said that she used... She had tried to catch the cereal also, but the cereal wouldn't tell her anything. Wouldn't give her any information. And I loved that. I loved that little little bit in there that essentially said the cereal's got some autonomy about what information it gives. Yeah. Because we're just led to believe that if you catch it and you ask it a question, it's got to answer you mm -hmm. properly. Yeah. Like it has to tell the truth. But there's apparently a little autonomy with that. It might have to tell the truth, but it doesn't have to open its mouth and actually say anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, so, you know, the cereal's dying at this point, and it's it's looking over at Feyre and mouthing to run, to go, and and Feyre's like, you know, I'm not, I can't just, I'm not just gonna leave, you know, um, but she ends up running the opposite direction, getting Ianthe to chase her, and goes to the Weaver's Cottage, because they're right there, and... Why not? And honestly, it was smart. So smart. Such a such a good scene. She knows um, that the Weavers got essentially a debt out for a hit out for Farah, and she knows the the layout of you know her place now. So she does the fun little bait and switch sort of thing where she runs into the cottage and gets Ianthe to follow, and then. Goes back out, shuts the door, and we just hear some screaming after that, and that's about it. It was awesome. No, that was that was it for. Thank Ianthe. God, I hate Ianthe. Hated her, hated her from the get go. For real though, can't. Glad she's dead. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that, but it's a book, so it's fine. <laughs> so she. She runs back to the cereal, and, you know, it's still alive, hanging on there. And um, it just asks Feyre to stay with it while it dies. And uh, I imagine, like, the scene in Harry Potter when Dobby dies. Spoiler oh. if you haven't seen Harry Potter. <laughs> it's, like, equivalent. Like, so sad. Oh, Yeah, and I, I was picturing Hunger Games with Rue. Ugh. Good one. Yeah. Wow, oh, man. Why? why? Why do we do it? Yeah. Gosh. Man, we lost some good ones. So. Ah, yikes. <laughs> in in this little bit of time, the the cereal gets out that it knew it was being tracked, but still came when Feyre called because. It was Feyre. It was Feyre. Ugh. <laughs> oh. And she, it, um, it tells her that it was kind of like a, hey, you should have got this. But when I said stay with the High Lord, I meant Reese. <laughs> so she said that, um, I keep wanting to say she, the Surreal, um, said that that's still not over. Still stay with the High Lord, still stay with Reese and, and you will see everything be righted. So I think that's interesting that that is not over. Sound like good foreshadow to me. Yeah. So um, all all the cereal says is that they want Feyre to leave the world a better place than she found it, which I think is a good way to live for everybody honestly take notes ladies and gentlemen so it does die and Feyre's mourning and is found by Helion and um so he ends up taking her back to camp do you suppose he watched the whole thing her run into the cottage and hold the door open, and then Anthony just 
meander on in, and then I wonder. He was just like, or he's just like, huh? She can take care of herself. He's sitting in the top of a tree, smoking a cigar, <laughs> drinking a fine glass of whiskey. Like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Live action. I put Helion as a wine guy. Yeah. Yeah. Pinky up. Like <laughs> a glass of Chardonnay, vintage eighteen twenty. You whatever. don't even know I what wines know. mean. <laughs> At least 50 years old because, you know, who was bottling wine <laughs> the last 50 years? So they get back. Um, we find out Cassian's been hurt um, pretty decently in his torso. And Reese is pissed off at him because he gave him an order and Cassian ignored it. And um, he's essentially like, you know, I actually am the High Lord. You do kind of need to listen to me. And Cassian's like, don't pull that High Lord bullshit on me. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys. And um, then Moore's pissed at Farah for leaving and not telling anyone. And they begin having a fight about it. And Moore's giving her shit for lying. And <laughs> Farah's like, well, you lie every day to everybody about yeah, it was, a, it was a low blow. For real, it had nothing to do with anything. So that was that was something there. Um, they Amarin gets there with the book, and they have Nesta try to scry um, with the bones and the stones, um, and she gets through it. And she seems like she's kind of stuck in whatever um, vision, I guess, she's having or whatever. So Feyre goes into her mind and sees endless Highburn forces and the king and the cauldron and a war map and um, that the majority of his army is essentially near the old Archeron estate. So completely different direction than that than where they're at, where they've been going. Um, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, we finished that little that chapter with um, the first obvious uh, get together of Varian and Amarin. So that's fun um that night Feyre dreams of the cauldron and she wakes up feeling super wrong um and she feels like her and Nesta opened some sort of doorway between the consciousnesses of them with the cauldron um and so she starts freaking out um feeling wrong and you know everybody's coming out of tents at this point and there's only a few people that realize something's going on one of them being Amran, um and then the other one being nesta just because they all have connections with being made and they realize that elaine is missing you think the cauldron actually, like, 
lured her away, or did it just forcefully take her? No. Did it trick her into, like, leaving, or did it, like, suck her into the blackness that is the... You want to know how I imagined it? Because I imagine everything like movies. <laughs> I imagine Hocus Pocus, which I know you've never seen. There, one of the witches, she sings a song and it lures right. the children. That's what I imagine it to be. Like something similar. Like there's some type of like. But the song is out loud. Yes. See, I'm picturing something similar, but everything's going on in her head. No, yeah. And like in the Hocus Pocus, yes, it's out loud. But I'm imagining like, yes, ah. a mental connection. Gotcha. That's like bringing her and telling her to go. Yeah. And she, But she doesn't understand or isn't like conscious of what's going on. In my, how I read this. Gotcha. Well, and I think that somebody, inter- I don't know if it's like actually that way or if somebody was just guessing based on what they were feeling, but they had said that, that they thought she like saw Grayson and he lured her toward the edge of, edge of camp, but it wasn't actually. Like one of those things that Favor saw in book one. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're seeing things that yeah, aren't yeah, actually yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. She's gone, though. I always... I just... For some reason, when I play my head movie of this part, I imagine little shadow tendrils like Shikamaru's from Naruto just creeping into camp until it finds Elaine and then, Making her walk out. Yep. I love Naruto references anytime I can do it. So, Azrael swears that he will go and get her back. Feyre's gonna go with him. And, um, it's just them. So, they winnow near the camp, and Feyre shifts shape-shifting to look like Ianthe. Smart. Mm-hmm. Asriel hides in his shadows, and Feyre walks right into camp, pulling off her best Ianthe act. Mm, gross. Mm-hmm. It's like Hermione becoming Bellatrix. Yeah, see? <laughs> All the movies. So, um, Jurian ends up running across her and realizes that it isn't her, but it's Feyre. And he tells her that Elaine's safe, she's untouched, she's just chained up in the king's tent um, with a spell on her. And um, they walk near um, one girl from the Children of the Blessed hung up on, like, a rack by like a fire, you know, however they had Claire strung up mm-hmm. under the mountain. And so she essentially says to, I think Azriel to, you know, get that girl. Also, we're going to get her out too. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Jurian and Feyre end up, you know, faking it as they need to. They get Elaine out. They get it, you know, they start going toward um, the edge of camp. There's a big cliff. You know, they're just going to 
all run and jump and do what they need to do and fly away with um, Elaine and then this other girl, Azriel and, and Feyre are. But they're having a little bit of trouble as they're running for that cliff in... Um, the king let some hounds, mm-hmm. or I mean, whatever you, if. Word hounds. <laughs> um, let some hounds loose. Let's see him. Real sketch in the, the magic-y department there. Like big black. Big black hounds. dogs. <laughs> Yeah, straight up. I mean, for real. <laughs> we were all thinking it. We'll save that for the, the Massiverse episode. We were all thinking it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so they're they're about to the edge. Um, Azrael's got the one girl there. Um when fair is hit by an ash arrow and she is about to have to deal with these hounds that are right there and someone comes to save her da, 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 captain douchebag mm-hmm. saw that one coming <laughs> none other than tamlin Still not impressed. So he he's in his beast form. He's going at these hounds, keeping them occupied while she continues on, does her best to get get where she needs to go. And Azrael essentially says, you're going to have to fly. You're going to have to. Look, I can't carry all of you. Yep. Yeah. You got to fly. You got to do it. Now's the time. So he, he takes. Fucking pressure, by the way. Jesus, I'd be in my head so much. <laughs> but like, but you can't because you gotta go. You're about to die. So he he's grabbing Elaine and the other girl, and he's taking off. He's doing his run and start for jumping over the cliff, and one of his in- uh, wings gets injured by one of those creatures, hounds, and um. But he he pulls it off. He keeps flying through it, through the nearly shredded wing, and and um, Feyre's doing her best to get started with with it all. And um, she gets up in the sky and isn't isn't quite uh, getting up to the altitude she needs to. And Tamlin shoots a breeze at her to help her out. So they get uh, they get nearly to their winnow point, and they look back, and she sees Tamlin just jump off of the cliff <laughs> in his beast form and uh, winnow away. And so they end up making it back to the Illyrian camp. Um, you know, they're obviously injured. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, they all get healed. Yeah. Hoorah. Sort of. Azriel. Sort of, yeah. Azriel is very, very worse for 
worse for wear on this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's so not able to fly. They check over. They check over Elaine. They check over the one girl whose name is Briar. Um, they heal Pharaoh, but that's a cute name. Yeah, I like that. But Azriel, um, they heal him. But yeah, you're right. He has been grounded, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> by Reese. Saying, you know, you don't want to not be able to use your wings ever again in the future, so you're not flying in this war. And Azrael's pissed. So. Um, Callius's army shows up at this point. Um, Moore finds Feyre and they talk out their argument that they had had. Super cute. Yeah. Loved it. Moore finally gives a little bit of detail into why she has been the way she has always been with her relationships. Because she's gay. But hasn't told anybody. Love to see it. Love that. I don't even remember what happens next, to be quite honest. Um, we just, I think we jump right into the last battle, right? Pretty much. So they, they find out that Hybern's army is moving east and um, discover that his plan is to just march on the human lands and wipe them out just to spite Feyre and her sisters because of everything. Dude, yeah, they are like the main motivation behind... His army, like everything is about Mm -hmm. the sisters. So, um, I kind of love that, honestly. (laughs) The, the Prithian group, you know, decides that they're going to winnow to the human lands and then winnow out as many humans as possible to the summer court to save as many people as they can. Um, good guy Tarquin to the rescue. Amarin comes in and says she's been, you know, doing more research and says that, excuse me, that they need to actually face the King of Highburn in battle and distract him so that Amarin, Feyre, Nesta, and Elaine, those that were made, um, can get to the cauldron because Elaine somehow has found a way to stop the whole army utilizing that finally so they have to get to the cauldron they have to touch it together then they can use it to bind the king and his army and and shut them all down wipe them all out essentially so while everybody is well well a handful of people are winnowing the humans out um Feyre realizes that she she's got to get the bone carver so she winnows to the Court of Nightmares and goes to face the mirror. Which I thought this was, I thought this was an interesting chapter. Good for her. Oh, look at you. <laughs> the this <laughs> chapter I to me it was just really confusing. Yes. Because it's like she's like I look in the mirror. 
and in the mirror I can see something crawling behind me and she I mean she describes it like the the Mingart worm almost in my opinion mm-hmm. am I am I wrong there or, I mean that's that's just the description I took away from it she describes it as a beast of claws and scales and fur don't remember the fur part but <laughs> <laughs> Worm. <laughs> a furry worm. It's like one of those caterpillars. Yeah. <laughs> those are poisonous. You be careful. <laughs> Don't touch the caterpillar. Life lesson. That's okay. <laughs> Chock full of them today, huh? Man. So, yeah, you're right. She just sees herself until she notices this beast behind her slowly moving toward her. Toward her. Um, but when she looks behind her, she doesn't see anything and she looks back in the mirror and she still sees it. So she eventually realizes that it is a reflection of her as, you know, as her, um, internal self, essentially. It's a reflection of what's beneath her skin and she's got to face that. So she does. We don't get a whole lot. We don't really get much of anything about what goes on in that process. Yeah, it was. Uh, this is another one of those disappointing chapters in my mind. I would have really liked this flushed out and like what she, what drove everybody else who looked in the mirror crazy. I think we get like the hints of it later. Um. But I think it's intentionally left vague like this. I kind of like it that way. I do think it could be interesting to see exactly like what the experience she had was. I just, I just, this is one of those few points where I wish she would have just flushed it out. You mm-hmm. know, it could have been such a fun, scary chapter. You know, like an informative thing on why. Right. Why things are the way they are. Why Ferris seeing herself as this furry caterpillar. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, she uh, makes it through. She doesn't go mad, and she brings the mirror to the carver. Um who says that he'll uphold his end of the deal and fight for them. He says he didn't even need the mirror, but that Feyre needed the mirror. It was a life lesson for her. Gosh. He says that he just wanted to see if she was even worth helping and that it's a rare person to find that can actually look in the mirror, face who they are, and not be broken by it. That's He's deep. playing games. That's deep, though. <laughs> He's had a lot of time to think about like this, Like, okay? that, that is like... <laughs> he is not of this world. What? <laughs> what? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> so, we, we go back and we find that Hyrun has gone through the human lands destroying everything um they you know he's they've come and gone and 
you know, they get to the human lands and find the Archeron estate, uh, estate um, especially destroyed, you know, just to prove a point or whatever. I mean, at, at this point in these books, I'm over Highburn's Vendetta against the Archerons. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're the one who put her in the fucking cauldron. This is your fault. <laughs> and now you've just got this hard on for <laughs> for chasing Nesta and making her absolutely miserable. Because it's just Nesta, right? Pretty much. I was going to say, because like, I don't understand what he would have against Feyre or Elaine. I mean, Feyre took her sister back. Feyre's, you know, outsmarted Amarantha. Feyre's done a handful of things that have been annoying to him, but... Nothing that warrants a war around her. I mean, does anything warrant a war around them? I, yeah, at this point, I'm just, I'm over it. He's like, they, they get to the thing and they're like, well... Our house is more wrecked than the other houses. It's <laughs> come on, dude. No, that just kind of was petty. Yeah, this is your fault. But I'm wondering, like, so Nesta took this piece of the cauldron, right? But like, how important is this piece? Because he still took down the wall without it. But it took a long time for the cauldron to recharge. Yes, it's essentially um, what's the word I want to use? And you know, indestructible. Not the word I want to use. Never mind. I can't think. <laughs> I think he's still doing. What it's he wants it's to do. essentially all powerful. You can't beat it. Whatever. If it's all put together, it's like the be all, end all, beginning all. Except Nesta blah, fucking blah, blah, beat blah. it. <laughs> Doesn't make but sense to me. But that was when she was in it. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me. He's still doing what he wants to do. They live forever. Doesn't make sense to me. You know, unless they die. <laughs> Whatever. This is it's stupid. Doesn't make sense. Even then they Yeah. So So at this point, um Azriel's awake from um being healed as much as he could at the time and and Reese orders him again that he's not going to fly. He's not even going to fight right now. And, um, you know, Azriel's still pissed off. But he gives Elaine his blade, Truth Teller. And, uh, Feyre's thinking, how many people have used his blade? How many times has he lent that out? And, um, Reese tells her that that's the first person or the first time that he's ever seen Azrael let anybody else touch his knife ever. Which, all right. So then we get some like really. Reesan gives this whole speech, this pre-war speech, and touches base little bits on everybody in like what they mean to him and what they mean to their life together and I just think they're so sweet those little bits you just you need that any thoughts yeah it was cute whatever (laughs) take it or leave it really all right, so. we're feeling a little harsh today. <laughs> I didn't think it was that good of a speech, really. I want 
morale boosting. I want <laughs> tonight. We dine in hell. <laughs> I want you know gladiator style speeches <laughs> here. Since that's kind of how I picture Reesan anyway, a little bit of Gerard Butler. But. Gerard Butler. <laughs> we love us some Gerard Butler. Except fucking Colton or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said that they didn't like him and was wrong. You're entitled to your wrong opinion. Yeah, he said he doesn't like new Gerard Butler. Oh. oh. Wasn't he shitting on P.S. I Love You, which... That's a good movie. We don't shit on P.S. I Love You. Did he? I don't remember. Yeah, That's a good movie. Anyway. But Gladiator makes like... All of his top ten lists. They head out. They go to face Highburn and are very outnumbered that they realize. Um, Feyre reveals to Rhysand that she got a tattoo as a mating gift. Um, And it's this really cool spinal tattoo. Seems cute. But she got two, right? One for renewing the the um Oh gosh, what are they called? Bonds, packs. Bargain. Bargain. Good job. Thank you for working through that with me. <laughs> um with Briaxis and than one for the bone carver. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those those are different than this tattoo. Those are just a ring around her bicep. They they each just had a, a, a ring around her bicep. If I'm remembering correctly. She is. She specifically got this tattoo, like... For Reese. Like, Illyrians go and get tattoos. She got this tattoo... When the fuck did she have time to go get a tattoo? After she was discovering her inner self. After the Ouroboros. She got that. She mean, make a bargain with herself? It no, hun. <laughs> the bargains are just an immediate it just immediately shows up. Like she She, she made the time to go get tattoo. some ink. Alright? She wanted that ink therapy before <laughs> war. Yeah, but listen, it was, it's we like all a Rowan know, situation. We all know that tattoos take a little while to. Not if you're Faye and you're fast as fuck. Fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> Did she get it in the Court of Nightmares? She go back to Valeris and get it at a you know a high quality tattoo. Okay, on? These are now questions. I have questions. <laughs> Did she pay D- DM- and tip well? <laughs> DMSJM. I'm pissed how, now. How much do the artist pay per hour? How much do they charge? <laughs> oh, well, I'm because I thought when she was explaining the tattoo, she's like, "Hey, as part of a mating gift, I went and got the bone carver. No. I went and got Briaxis, and this is the bargain." No, you're cute. No, that's oh, wrong. I'm pissed. Because <laughs> my th- my thought process on this was, uh, I'll get to it in a second. I don't want to spoil anything. Before you continue the <laughs> synopsis. So she doesn't have time to go get a fucking tattoo. There's war going on. 
She better tip really well. So, Highburn <laughs> takes the shield down around his forces so that they can, you know, start fighting. And Feyre lets a glamour go that she had been holding up, which was hiding the bone carver and Bryaxis. <laughs> I was wrong. Were you? For one of them. Oh, okay. One of them, the 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 bargain was the band on her arm. Which is Bryaxis, I believe, right? Oh, freaking hell, probably. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the other one, it, it was on her. It was the spine. Ha! <laughs> That's the spine one. I'm not pissed anymore. Yeah. Mm, I did not read that correctly then. Yeah. We all know Fairy doesn't tip well. <laughs> That's a <laughs> That's a weird tattoo to get for a bargain. I I wonder if it was. I wonder if she had some uh, sway in how it showed up on her yeah because that's really weird yeah it's nothing like any of the others well isn't that isn't that what's stated in the first book is like the bargain takes shape of like inner thoughts from both both people not necessarily maybe because i thought when she had her that was months well, ago that was hand glove hand glove from reese that that's what he said is like Maybe, yeah. That sounds like it could be right. right. I mean, it definitely takes um, influence from the the person that proposes the bargain. <laughs> she she just looks at the bone the bone carver and goes, "Hey, listen. Um, I want the phases of the moon <laughs> down my back. I want something super cool <laughs> and make it a little lacy. <laughs> and let's put the sun at the top. I love when you with do a this. smiley face. <laughs> I love when you do this." You know, like they do in the old Greek portraits where the sun's always got a face in it. No? You mean like kindergarten things when you draw the sun and it always has a face I in it? I still draw the sun with a face in it. <laughs> that was so bizarre. <laughs> That's not the first time you said I'm that. Kinda That's I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of scared, guys. <laughs> no, I completely read Super. that wrong, too, because I was just like, why would that be a tattoo that she got with a bargain? But. That's fine. Moving on. So right after both of the the Bone Carver and Braxis show up, uh, right after that, the Weaver shows up because Reese sent Helion to go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds got a face in it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's just really important, guys. Anyways. Because Reese sent Helion to bargain with her. Um, they're going to break her containment spell if she fights with them. And all three of those crazy creatures um, end up going, starting the attack. So they're battling. It's a whole thing. After not very <laughs> long, um, a horn sounds and we see... Some major armies appear. One of them's Barons. Then we've got Tamlin's and Grayson's human army, um, led by Jurian. So Tamlin made Baron come, dragged him out, literally, according to Eris. Um, and Eris and his brothers are working to destroy the stores of Feybane that Highburn has. 
We've got Amran and Feyre, Nesta and Elaine making their way through the battlefield looking for the cauldron. And all of a sudden Nesta realizes that Highburn's almost got that cauldron fully powered up again. And she begins, like, she shoots her gaze to the sky and begins screaming for Cassian. Um, which... Chills. This part gave me freaking chills while I was listening to the graphic <gasps> the, audio. Yes! That was so good. Oh my gosh. Definitely one of the parts that was made just ten times more incredible. I'm I'm getting chills now, thinking about it. Ugh. So... The king uses the cauldron to shoot out a blast into the sky, and Cassian's diving down toward Nesta, knowing that she was screaming for him, and he gets almost all the way to the ground when the Illyrian army in the sky is just completely turned to ash from the wave from the cauldron and uh yeah so she saved Cassian (sighs) that was rough but he uh he's able to use the cauldron again for one more blast at this point in time and he ends up hitting the carver this was really sad because i i personally really like the carver yeah uh maybe not so much in the graphic audio because the voice just wasn't <laughs> what i wanted it to be it's a little weird but no it was a good good character yeah honestly like even even um the other the other monsters that they brought in, I mean, they all have really sad backstories. For real. Like you know now like the Weaver and the Carver are siblings and yep. like, that's the first time they had seen each other in years. Mm-hmm. And then he dies in a blast and she's still just trying to help out and do her thing and you got the other guy over there trying to do his thing and honestly they would have been in a really bad position if those three hadn't have shown up. Yes. They were already in a bad position. And, you know, things happen during war, right? So, like, back and forth. But, man, they were such, such vital, mm-hmm. vital points to this. Well, I think even at one point, it doesn't, doesn't Moss state that, you know, they probably could have just taken out all of Hybern just to the three of them. Probably. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, we'll get into it. It pisses me off a little bit here in a minute. Um. But yeah, the bone the bone carver one hit hard for me. I was like, man, I really liked, I really liked that that character. And yeah, me too. Even as he's dying, he turns to Feyre and he just smiles like you, you little shit. <laughs> I love how you called That's... a millennia, multi millennia year old death god a little shit. <laughs> Well, it's because every time that he's pretty much described in the book, he's described as a small child. Yeah. Wait, so, because every time Feyre sees him, it's her and Reese's kid. When she looked at him, did she see her kid dying? 
No, he took the he had a actual form yes. because he had to get out of the prison. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh my yeah, I forgot about all that. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, how depressing." Yeah. I didn't think about that too until you just brought it oh up. Oh my gosh, I forgot about all that though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's so funny. I was stressing out for a minute. I, your face <laughs> fell for a minute oh, there. No. <laughs> I forgot about all that. Though, that he had to like pick a form to get out. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. But even even the uh, the weaver stops for a second and mm-hmm. hesitates she, for a sec. She screams, doesn't she? Probably. I don't remember 100%. No. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah. So, Farah decides that her and Amron are going to have to go to the cauldron alone without her sisters at this point. Um, so, they're making their way that direction and another horn blasts. Um, and they see an armada of ships on the horizon, which they realize is more Hybern army, which... You know, that just makes them need to move faster because they're already getting behind. But I think pretty, like, immediately after that, we've got another horn blast and seeing more ships on the horizon and thousands of winged people in the distance heading toward them um which we realize is draken's legion and miriam's people is it the seraphim the seraphim the peregrines are thesons thesons thank you always get them mixed up yeah so draken appears and jokes that Reese could have just asked for their help, and, and Reese is like, we, we couldn't find you. What are you talking about? Uh, is it Cretea? Yeah, Cretea, their, their island. He's like, you know, that it, it's destroyed. I don't know what you're talking about. And Draken essentially says, oh, well, we, you know, we've been glamoring this whole place. We've been there the whole time. I guess we did it too well. Whoops. The, the, okay, so there are about four things that really tick me off. <laughs> At the end of this book. This is one of them. The full-on conversation. <laughs> well, it's, they have a full-on conversation, and then they're like, well, it was just a glamour. And, I mean, we've seen, leading up to this point, that Reese has been able to kind of see through glamours. You would think when they went and checked the island that they would have landed on the fucking island, and somebody would have been like, oh, it's Asriel. Hey, guys, it's Asriel. <laughs> Maybe we should lift the glamour so he knows we're here. Oh, it's Asriel. It's Asriel. <laughs> you know, our friend. Why are we hiding from Asriel? It's been 300 years, man, okay? Did he not land on the island and at least look around and be like, hey, why aren't they here? Did they leave a note? Or did he just fly on by? If flyovers i think he just did a flyover oh they're not here (laughs) this part really pissed me off (laughs) and if he flew over wouldn't they have seen him i mean do you you think miriam and draken for the last 500 years have been staring at the sky waiting for 
Oh, but I mean, they're on a remote island. Someone to fly in the, over in the middle of the ocean. You would notice if somebody with bat wings flew over. You'd be like, well, "That's a little odd." Maybe not. <laughs> it, maybe not necessarily though, because I mean, if, they could be living underground or whatever. But. No, no, no. But I mean, even if they were out there on the, you can't live underground on an island, bro. There, it's a big island. That doesn't work that way. Underground on an island. Oh, my God. Anyway. (laughs) So, even Valaris, which was, you know, hidden. Even they had trade with, from boats and, and, you know, um, come and go and, you know, things (laughs) like that. So, I'm sure, you know, even if they were just on an island out there in the middle of the ocean, they very possibly had lots of traffic around them regularly. (laughs) <laughs> but have but had it glamoured so well that nobody was to stop but you can I, still see out of the glamour yes we've, we've stated that but, in the past but if <laughs> it's still located in a place where there's a lot of traffic due to merchants in the water or winged people overhead you know, if it's that near enough, d- whether they're Peregrine, whether they're Illyrian, where, whether they're, you know, something from the mainland, they might not notice just one winged person flying overhead being that weird. Okay, so here's what I imagine, right? You weren't listening to a word I said. You were staring <laughs> at me waiting for me to shut up so you could say what you had to <laughs> That's say. That's not true. I listened. Absolutely was. I was watching you. <laughs> Seraphim. I don't want to argue anymore. Seraphim are like holy creatures, right? No, they're winged creatures. Well, I mean, like in lore, though, seraphim are angels. Yes. Illyrians are essentially Greek demons. Greek. They got bat wings. <laughs> it is Greek. This whole book is based off Greek, whatever. <laughs> so you would think that. They would just look up and be like, oh. Because I do ima- I don't imagine that they get a lot of traffic by the island. I think they picked their island because it was isolated and far away. That's what isolated means. <laughs> but, I mean, whatever. It just, it, this, this really just rubbed me wrong. I, I don't know why. Apparently. Asriel could have landed on the island and this whole thing would have been solved. <laughs> Would that have rubbed you right? It would have. <laughs> Fucking Azriel making mistakes yet again. Bitch. Oh. Excuse you. <laughs> no, you excuse can me. leave. I love you can walk right out that door. That is. Watch your mouth. Not how we talk about <laughs> our Lord and Shadow Singer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like... He's my least favorite of the big three. We don't have to compare the big three. <laughs> It goes, Resan, Cassie, and Asriel. You're sitting over there, and you're just like, it's Asriel. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I was like, Little Mermaid was yeah. I was like, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Okay, anyway. Are you done? I, I mean, I could tangent on this well, for a couple more Well, minutes, I know you said there's four things, and that was one. We got uh, we'll three get, more, and we'll we got to get, get going. We'll get to it. Oh, it wasn't it's at least, regarding yeah. this one more i don't know that it's four gosh (laughs) oh man so draken reveals that the majority of the armada isn't his um they met up with somebody on the way who 
was led by a queen named Vasa and that Lucian is with her, which I love that. This, you know, um, spoiler minute for Kingdom of Ash, but this whole part just reminded me of when everybody was coming in, you know, with their debts to Aelin and we're just, we're seeing, you know, people roll in for, to help Prithian. I just loved it. It gave me all the, the feel goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. So, um, but Feyre realizes that it is her father who found Vasa. Um, he's, go dad, go. Yeah. He's been working on an independent human army over on the continent. And he found Vasa and rallied together and um, headed this way. And ran into Drinkin' and Miriam and told him that he had three daughters that he had been failing for years and he would not fail them again. And he named his ships after his daughters. And which one is he on? The Nesta. He's sailing on the Nesta. (sighs) So, Vasa is flying in as a firebird, which is part of her curse of the day and the night sort of thing. Um, And... She pretty much single-handedly takes care of the Highburn Armada, doesn't she? A lot of it, yeah. Yeah. So, Nesta convinces Feyre to let her be bait to draw the king out. She's going to pretend that she's, you know, powering herself up somehow. That she's powering herself up somehow to use whatever power she took from the cauldron. Um, just sort of a, you know, fake it till you make it for him to believe it sort of thing. And Cassian says that he will guard her and they'll do what they need to do to get his attention. And Reese is just convinced that they're both going to die and, but can't, can't make their decisions for them. But, um, so they, they do that. And Feyre and Amran get to the, almost get to the cauldron, um, when they encounter the weaver who is taking care of the king's guards and the highborn forces in that area, um, before they, you know, as they're walking up, she's ahead of them doing all this stuff, and, um. So, Amran and Feyre are kind of hiding a little bit, watching all this play out, and the king walks up to the weaver and just snaps her neck. Bam! Here's number two. That's it. Just snaps it. That's just it. This is the second part of this war that really pissed me off. We, to kill the carver, he had to hit him with a beam from the cauldron. (laughs) 
to kill the bone weaver, all he has to do is the snap bone, her neck. The, the bone weaver. The bone weaver. The the weaver. The weaver of the wood, whatever they call her. All he has to do is snap her ne- neck and feed her to dogs. Striga. Like, really? Really? This is a death god. Feed her to Naga. Was it Naga? I thought it was the word hounds. <laughs> it says Naga hounds. Oh. Same thing. Potato, potato. Yeah. This this just, like, it's like, come on. Really? We want epic. I kind of wish she would have stayed alive, honestly. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they kill the third one, right? We know it's coming. It's got to. Guess we'll see. So, they see the king finally sense Nesta and leave take off for her and Farah and Amran reach the cauldron and Farah puts her hand on it and Amran starts doing something behind her but Farah can't take her hand off of it and she realizes that Amran has lied to her about everything and when I tell you when I first read this it was a big what the fuck moment for me I was like are you are you kidding me like is the first, I don't know, the first little sentence of this whole section where she's like, I realized Amron was lying about everything. I was just like, what the fuck? Well, I was like, she is. I was like, what could she have lied about? What's going on? Like, what does she know? Yeah. That was my thought. I was like, she obviously knows something that we don't know. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean she lied? What, what malicious things is she about to do? Like, she is a core part of this Honestly, inner circle. This whole second half of the book was like a quick, like, I can't put this down. It's yeah. too good. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Especially this part, because she's like, she lied to me. I was like, oh, shit. Next page, please. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I think I'm in I'm in the same boat. Is It's all happening so fast that, to me, it didn't really register what was going on. Mm-hmm. Until, you know, we get the resolution to it, and I was like, wait a second. I'm confused. Anyway. Um, Amron says that she's sorry for lying. She's just doing what she's got to do, essentially. Um, so, Feyre can see through the cauldron as it's searching for Nesta, essentially, in whatever way they're doing their thing. And she sees across the battlefield through this vision link. Um, she sees Reese shift fully into his beast form. And we don't get a whole lot of description other than claws and feathers. Whatever. Um, but she says it's a thing of nightmares. And it's massive. You know? Um, and then essentially says that Helion also shifts into his beast mode and it's like the light version of Reese's dark they're kind of like twin beasts essentially in the way that they appear which I think is interesting and I want more I want more I want to see that more Agreed. I want that further flushed out I have seen one fan art of his beast form 
which I don't, I think is absolutely perfect, but I want more description in the book. Because, you know, we've heard before that it's like, it's not something that he likes to, to do, to show any little bits that come out during a nightmare or whatever, all accidental, like, anyway, yeah, so I want more to that. So, Do you suppose Tarquin's is like a kraken? That'd be fucking cool. Callius is winter court, right? Yes. I bet his is a yeti. No. No? Polar bear? Yes. Baron? It's gotta be some kind of fox. Firefox. He's I was thinking Phoenixy. I was thinking like Firebird. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I don't know. Sorry. Maybe he's like a mole. Yeah. Muskrat. <laughs> <laughs> so she's still seeing this vision through the cauldron of what's going on and it locates Nesta. Um, and the king winnows in to where Nesta and Cassian's at but she doesn't make any move toward him because the king is holding Papa Archer on and has a knife to his throat. And he goes into his little Papa Archer on. He goes into his little spiel to Nesta about how much he loves her and apologizing for failing her and all of them and excuse me and um yep the king kills him snaps his neck why why is that a way of killing now all of a sudden yeah it doesn't say dude has a affinity for snapping necks we don't kink shame this guy. So, oh. <laughs> Cassian begins fighting with the king, but he's not doing so hot. And um, the king breaks Cassian's wings, and Nessa just explodes with power. Literally, it just explodes out of her. And uh, the king winnows away from it, and Nesta essentially just is like trying to get Cassian up and can't get him up, and um, Cassian's telling her to go, and they have, you know, this little moment, and, yeah. It's a sweet moment. I mean, this is, this might be, like, my favorite piece of dialogue between two characters in any of these books, where he's like, you know, if we, I wish we had more time, but I will find you, and our next life and every life after that. And I was like, Oh my God, what player? 
A player? I love him. That's not what a player is going to say. That makes no sense. <laughs> love Cassian. He's He's just, he killed it. He says that he has no regrets other than they did not have more time together and that he will find her in the next life. And then he kisses her. And she covers his body with her own as the king comes back and is just prepared to go out with him. And king's about to make that killing blow when he just stops. Stops moving. And Nesta looks up to see a blade through his throat, which was Elaine with Truth Teller. she get there though she's a seer she knew where to be but how did she get there she walked quietly how'd she get all the way there so quickly because she was back in the area where everybody was congregated that's such a big question I have how did how did she get there I just assume that as soon as everybody else left, she just started walking. Well, I mean, she can see the future. She knows where she knows where they're going to be. She'd be like, oh, I need to be hiding behind this tree at this specific time so I can stab this bastard in the throat with this awesome knife. If she could tell the future, wouldn't she have saved her dad? Well, she didn't see that part. So, Seeing's not perfect, Amanda, okay? <coughs> it's like the cereal. <laughs> so Nesta goes up to the king and grabs the blade and twists it around in his neck and beheads him. And um, she essentially picks that head up and stares at it like a trophy. And... Um, so she, Pharaoh's kind of getting pulled back from that vision of watching everything back into herself. Um, and she's hearing Amran tell her to fight against the cauldron. And Amran reveals that the message that the Surreal gave Pharaoh was for Amran to unbind herself. Um, so that once she's unbound and in her real original form she can totally wipe out Highburn's armies at that point um, Varian must have been following her because he appears and says not to do it <laughs> because she won't remember any of them she'll be as she is now she'll be gone it won't you know it'll be a whole thing but she will be gone and um Amran just says that this, you know, this time in this world for her has been a gift. She was never the same as her own people, her own kin, and and it has been the experience of a lifetime, essentially, for her. So she gets into the cauldron and tells Feyre to say the spell, which she does. And it shatters the cauldron, 
Well, it, it, sh it says it shatters it, but it's only into three pieces. It's not really much of a shattering. Whatever. And um, Amarin comes out of the cauldron, and she is described as having great burning wings and a crown of light above flaming hair. And she is just, she swoops out and she is just destroying all of Hybern. All of it. Wipes them all out. Literally every last one of them. Heck yeah. And then she fades away. Her power gone. But she, she wins the war for them because everybody else is gone now. Finally. I've been waiting for her to get un unbounded. Yes. Yeah, that's the right word. I've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Me too. This was fitting. And the way that it was done, like, the way that the whole description was, I think, was really good. Right? I like that. Mm hmm So, Feyre realizes that with the cauldron broke, there's, you know, anything that was in it is going to, like, run out, and, and with it being the maker and destroyer essentially it's if it's not fixed it's going to do some damage so Reese ends up getting there um and t uh tells her that she needs to put the cauldron back together and her her power is gone and Reese says that he'll power share with her and she can use his, but she's got to do it. And um, so she takes his hand and grabs the cauldron and uses the spell that Amran gave her to forge and weld and bind it all back together. And she keeps needing more power and more power because it's not quite... It's going slowly. It's not quite there yet. And... Um, <coughs> And, um, so he's, he's giving her more power and he's telling her he loves her and she finally gets the cauldron all healed, um, but feels no more power coming through. And she finishes it up and turns around and finds Reese on the ground. Dead. I I fucking can't. I can't. I'm gonna start crying right now. Guys, I ugly cried. <laughs> it and listening to her scream out yes. to him afterwards was the most heart wrenching thing I have ever listened to. It shattered my soul. I literally was out in the living room. Nick had walked out and he's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me right now. And he's just like, what happened? And I was like, my favorite character is dead and I don't know why. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, go away as I'm just sobbing. Absolutely Gosh. sobbing. It was yeah. awful. And honestly... Him being dead, yeah, was awful. Her crying out for him after 
absolutely sucked. Yeah. It was so hard to listen to. It was rough. It was so rough. But I should have. But I should have known what I know about Sarah. Like I should have like put that together. Honestly, still though, it was really good acting on the graphic audio. Highly recommend. I mean, it was just it still was. Whether graphic audio, whether reading it, anything, it was just such a dynamic section that just it was so feelsy. This is one of the few sections in this book that I'm glad I read the book before I listened to the graphic audio. Mm. So you could take in more and read it slower? I feel like I got more out of the book during this section than I did from the from the graphic. Did it feel like to you, listening to the graphic audio, that it was very quick? Yeah. Yeah. It felt so quick. But then when I was, when I read it, just read it, it... It felt like it was like... It felt like an eternity. Yeah. Like, just those, like, 10 or 12 pages, or however long it is. The the, amp, the, the, the cauldron section. Right. Yeah. Felt like forever. Yeah. And the, the scene with Feyre and Reese in the cauldron felt like it took a while, too. But it felt like it was just... Quick. There and done. With the graphic audio. I mean, it was acted very well. It just was quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, this is like I said, one of the very, very few sections of these books that I'm glad that I read the book before I, before I listened to the audio. And, I mean, the audio did it did it really well. It's just, <coughs> I, I feel like you just miss some of that flavor in this specific section. Yeah. That's fair. So she she realizes that he must have known that he was dying at this point, and that's why he told her he loved her and that it was essentially saying goodbye and why he was keeping her focused on the cauldron. And Pharaoh loses it. I mean, she's obviously freaking out. She can't feel her mating bond, She, for the most part, you know, until she realizes she feels just a little bit there. Just a little bit tiny bit hanging on there and so then she starts yelling for all the high lords she's like bring him back bring him back like you did to me if you could do it for me you could do it for him do it i don't care just do it and um so they all try doing the thing again that they did for her and at this point she's she's the night court giving her a little bit And, um, the last one they're waiting for that hasn't given it is Tamlin. And she's, like, begging him. She's like, I'll do anything. I'll give you anything. Just save him. And... I gotta say, as much as I don't like Tamlin, he's a douche. Uh He did very bad things. There's... There's a part of me that understands their brokenness and trying to come together to fix each other and hoping that being together will just fix themselves without actually being able to communicate it in a way that the other understands or even how to do that. So a part of me understands being that broken. Sorry. Did it 
Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, I've seen other people be, be so broken and try and hope that a relationship is going to fix it or that they can be the same people and move on like everything is normal. In some ways, I've been that way in the past. So I, I understand because he was also very broken on, we saw her point of view, but he was also very broken after what happened under the mountain, even from stuff that happened well before Feyre even came into his life. So in some ways I understand it. Does that justify his actions? No. Does it justify what she did? No. But I think there's some, I think that there can be some empathy there. But I think that's why I love these books so much is because the characters are so real. Mm -hmm. They're going through so many real emotions and things that happen to actual people Mm -hmm. in our own lives. They're so relatable. And I think that's what the big catch is with her books is because she writes phenomenal characters that everyone can relate to. Yeah, it's like Fey World, whatever, fantasy. Still. But they feel and act just like we do. Yeah. And go through shit just like we do. So as much as I don't like Tamlin, there's some things that I can understand about him and Feyre. You can see why he's a necessary character. Yeah, I do. And I'm glad that he's part of it. Well. Hot take. He... Just tells her to be happy. And then gives his little life kernel. Life kernel? <laughs> life kernel. I love that. And, um... So, Farrah's holding Reese and, you know... Talking to him about things and... Telling him she loves him and... Telling him... Her story of... Becoming them. And, uh... He comes back. This is where I mean what I say. Like, I should have put together what Sarah does in her stories and known that this was going to happen, as we've talked about in Throne of Glass. It still was a big shock, though, the scene before. It still was a shock. I mean, even if you logically could think, oh, yeah, he's very likely going to come back, it still was a shock. I think that I knew something was like this was going to happen. I don't think I thought it was going to be Reese. I thought it was going to be Cassian. Yeah. Here's my problem with fantasy books. Number three. Just in general. We have such a problem killing off main characters and just leaving them dead. Mm-hmm. I would love to see this world without Reese. Amran just died. You, you get what I'm saying? I'd, I'd love to see Feyre take that slot as High Lady and then just rule with an iron fist. Absolutely not. 100% veto. I will quit this series. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, yeah, this is my biggest, my biggest problem with fantasy tropes is resurrection of dead characters. Fair. We saw in Throne of Glass too. Yeah. Too many times. (laughs) I'm sure we will see it in 
every single one of the other fantasy series we read. Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, I, I, and I'm on the other side of that, and I think I'm one of very few people that I don't, I don't mind if we're not killing off main characters. If there's a character I like, I'm, I'm cool with them staying in the book. That's, that's just me. And I mean, that's, that's great. I just, I, I have this problem with every form of media I take in, whether it's manga, books, TV. Is where people are just so scared of killing off main characters. And I mean, there are certain series that go against that. Is that hinting to me that there's a a main character that doesn't stay dead in, in, in something we've mutually been reading? The big one. One Piece? Never mind. I quit. <laughs> The big one. Nothing. Oh, you're talking My Hero. Right? Yeah. No, it's not hitting at anything. Still? Yeah, I actually just got caught up with it this week. And there's still no change? Nope. (laughs) I can't can't start reading that again until I know one way or the other. Anyway. Anyway. That's just my, my big problem with all. His authors are too scared to piss people off. Well, I know I've seen it a lot in like TV shows out of fear that people are going to fall off and they're going to lose viewers and things like that. Um, I don't know if the same holds true when people are writing. I, I think it is. I mean, I, I mean, I can only can only assume. So your, your so. prime example is sitting right across the table. Right. <laughs> what did she just say? I like a character. I like want to keep him. Yeah. I'll drop this series. It depends on the character. So, the first thing he says when he's back is making a joke about, oh, all, just, all you high lords, just know I don't have any of your powers, so don't worry about that. Just thinks that was funny. It's a bummer. But then the second thing he says is, um, another surprise, go get Amran out of the cauldron. Because apparently she went in there while it was sealing, and instead of going wherever the dead goes, um, Reese offered for her to come back instead if she wanted. Yet again. So she didn't stay dead either. She came back, and surprise, she's just a normal fae now. Normal high fae. Amarin's uh, not unique anymore. <laughs> so, finishing up. Finishing up the last little bit um, after the war times wind down. Um... Elaine, Nesta, and Feyre go say a prayer over their father and burn his body. Um, Lucian meets back up and says he's got a lot to tell um, Feyre about her father and Vasa's keeper and her curse and the other queens and... 
Elaine invites Lucian to come back to Valaris with them. And Feyre and Reese get to sit down with Draken and Miriam. And talk about stuff. <laughs> um, they ask that the cauldron be hidden on Critea, which is agreed upon. They're wanting to get that out of there as quickly as possible, so none of the High Lords are like, hmm, hmm, power. <laughs> and then they have a big meeting with all the High Lords and the Princes and the humans and the Fae, and um, I think that ends with, you know, some things figured out, some things have more questions, it'll, they'll be continuing the meeting in the future, etc. Especially with no wall now. Right? Uh, Feyre finally gets to meet Nathel, and gets to sit down with Vasa, who talks with her about her father and that's a nice little bit with nobody having come to any conclusions about you know the fae and the humans and the treaty and the wall and the, anything like that they all go their separate ways um you know the night court crew goes back to valaris uh nesta's being real distant you know post the father thing And, um, that's it for, that's it for them. We get one little, one little snippet after this of Reese's point of view, just him sitting in their home, thing in the townhouse, and just listening to all of his friends, friends and family and whatever be present and happy and I don't know it's just a nice little thing um and then I think our last chapter is just them going flying together cute yeah cute cute it is cute it's sweet <sighs> what a book what a roller coaster of a book, guys. It was good, though. I enjoyed it a lot. A lot, a lot. It's a fantastic journey. Well, on a scale of one to five, Jess, how fantastic of a journey was it? Five. Straight five. Straight huh? five. Wow. Yep. Mm. Amanda? 4.5. I still like Mist and Fury better. I'm right there with you. I'm not comparing them. I just... <laughs> um, it's a good book. It's a fantastic book. This wasn't my favorite thus far. Mm -hmm. I like Mist and Fury better. I agree. I think I might... I, I think I like Mist and Fury a little better, too, but... I, Wings and Ruin is really close, but I do like Mist and Fury better. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's extremely well written. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I wish we would have gotten more more war at the end of this book. I agree. I, I wish it would have been a little more, you know, drawn out. Mm-hmm. Because this is, I mean, this is the peak of this story. Yeah, like the whole buildup. Right. And then we get, you know, what, less than 20 chapters on the entirety of it? Yeah, from start to finish. And three battles, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah, that would have been that would have been nice. Yeah, but four point five. I I love this book. It, it's fantastic. It's yeah, yeah. Cool. I feel like we saw more war in the summer court in Adriata yeah. than we saw here at you know the end here. Right. Cool. So good. Thank God. That's four recording sessions, five hours and 16 minutes before oh, edit. Holy fuck. Thank you, everybody, for listening to A Court of Books and Booze. This has been... What's the name of the book? <laughs> I was waiting for a descriptor word, like, awesome. Or... This has been fantastic. Everything is awesome. We love everybody <laughs> for listening, for being our friends, for whatever. You're being um, weird. I am. I'm tired. <laughs> so this episode was on A Court of Wings and Ruin. Thank you. Um, next will be A Court of Frost and Starlight, the novella. It'll be a lot shorter than five hours. Promise. Gosh, yeah. Promise. <laughs> so... If you like what you heard here, make sure to go check out the other podcast at the Golden Mojo Entertainment Network of Podcasts. That includes the Call Guys, Golden Image Podcast. <laughs> Any energy you, stands. No, what's on Wednesdays? Tusop. Any energy fans. The Golden 80s. Murd Nerds. And us. Quarter Books and Booze. And you can find us. Is it easier for you to go in day order? It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you can find us on most of your favorite social media sites and YouTube. I don't know why you say that it's easier for you to go in day order when every single time you still forget things. So apparently it's not. I'm going to forget them either way. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And lately we've had a handful of uh, book requests for future things that we need to be reading on the show um so if you yeah before i continue that i don't even know what our email address is, is. It, uh, it's Acabab on my phone pod no our email address will be in the show notes comment on our facebook posts <laughs> so if you have any book requests things you want us to read and talk about then you can let us know at our social media or you can email us at akababpodcast at gmail.com that's a-c-o-b-a-b-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com let us know why all of amanda's opinions are wrong that'd be fantastic we literally just agreed (laughs) about this book skylar i'm not saying my opinions are right most of the time you're entitled to your wrong opinion <laughs> all the time. 
But thanks, everybody. <laughs> we appreciate you. Like, subscribe, hit that bell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Get us out. You know what time it is. Read with you later. <laughs>